Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to the CoThrive Community Podcast, where we speak with thought leaders, innovators, and catalysts for change in the emerging sharing economy. Today's show is made possible by My Social Media Coach, providers of social media coaching and training for small business and nonprofit organizations. Learn more at www.mysocialmediacoach.com. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, and you can also listen to archived episodes there as well. You can visit us on the web at www.cothrive.org for news, events, or to become a member. You can also communicate with us via Facebook or Twitter. My guest today is Charlotte Wolf. She is the owner at Prairie Winds Nature Farm. They are a working educational farm using permaculture methods to produce food for humans as well as wildlife. They offer visitor experiences and farm education in a relaxed, family-friendly environment. They've got 85 acres of restored wetland, prairie, woods, and fenced pastures. Combined with their farm animals and garden spaces, a visit there really offers a unique chance to learn where your food comes from and to connect with nature. So from Lakeville, Indiana today, I want to welcome Charlotte. Thank you for joining me, Hi, Charlotte. Kathy. Hi, there. You're welcome. So, Charlotte... We talked just a little bit before we started, and you know this is a huge commitment. This farm, I had the opportunity to visit you just uh, a month or so ago, and you're obviously very passionate about building this farm and committing to sustainability principles. What what kind of made you want to do that? Well, I'm an ecologist by training, and my husband and I both are big. Uh, fans of nature and restoring habitat. And I grew up in the country. We had horses and a big garden, and I've always enjoyed working with kids. So I wanted to try to combine teaching and farming by starting a learning farm. And part of the learning involves a uh, summer camp, is that right? That's right. We host visitors uh, pretty much in the spring, summer, and fall. And in the summertime, we have educational camps that we host for ages three on up. And in the spring and fall especially, we have lots of school groups coming to visit. We have daycares that come and visit. And those uh, a lot of times are just for a field trip perhaps. But we also have at least one school, Good Shepherd Montessori School, that comes repeatedly throughout the spring and fall as part of their curriculum for their uh, school. So so we have a lot of kids here. We we host over 2,500 kids per year here generally. So there's a lot Very of kids cool. coming through here. <laughs> Very cool. And I know that you were influenced greatly by the the book by Richard, I believe Louvre is the way to pronounce his name, L-O-U-V-R-E. And the name of the book was yeah. Last Child in the Woods. Can Can you tell us just a little bit about that book or what that meant to you? Yeah, Richard Liu, it's actually L-O-U-V. He uh, is, a, is a writer that's very concerned about kids being in nature. He coined the term nature deficit disorder, which he attributes a lot of the hyperactivity of kids and, and different attention span issues to a lack of exposure to nature. And he has actually cited studies that show that children who are exposed to nature and who are exposed to gardening and farm animals, it actually makes them better students and they can they can benefit 
in psychological ways as well from being around nature. And he's also written another book uh, concerning adults, and that kind of highlights that adults also can benefit from nature and and show depression and other psychological negatives if not exposed to nature. Because that's really, as humans, that's how we evolved. We evolved in nature in close connection for our very survival. And our technological society allows us, if we choose, to remove ourselves from nature. And that's not a good thing. They're, they're, they're finding more and more evidence showing that that we really need to keep that nature connection. And, oh, and the I farm agree. is where we get our food. So we've we've got mm-hmm. we've got to keep the connection to the farm because that's where our food comes from. And in our industrial agriculture system, we are have also been removed from growing our food, which also was something evolutionarily that we we had to worry about every single day, if not every single hour of every day. And that's just natural for us. Well, I I love what you're saying, and I know that that definitely rings true for me. If I have a week or a weekend even that goes by and I don't get a chance to connect with nature, I just I I feel like I'm too much in front of the computer and I I can't focus as well. So, without even reading the book, I have to say I completely agree. <laughs> for kids as well as yeah. adults, you know, it, it's very necessary. And your farm you know, is quite different than what some people might think of as as farm. Again, you've got um, restored wetlands, you've got prairie. It's not a monoculture by any means. You've got many different ecosystems going on there. So can you say just a little bit about, you know, why you, you chose to do your farm that way and what is the importance for, you know, wildlife and humans? Right. Well, we've tried to establish a working family farm that provides for both wildlife and people on the farm. And that was very common in older type farm styles. They they did grow food a lot on the farm, but they also had lots of spaces. They had a wood lot where the family could cut wood, and they had wet areas where were usually left as wet, nice areas for fishing or for just being in nature. So uh, the family farm of the past had a lot of natural spaces around it. And that's what we're trying to recreate here. We we teach the kids all aspect of, of the farm, how the farm provides for air, water, and soil. And air, water, and soil give us life. So we try to teach the kids that it's not just the food that we're getting, but we're we're getting other benefits from the water. And and we're also built, trying to build soil. We're we're um have a, a carbon we want to have a carbon positive influence. In, in other words, we want to trap carbon instead of releasing carbon to the atmosphere by a lot of exposed soil. We try to cover most of our soil at at any given time. There's only a small fraction of soil that's exposed. So that's carbon that's in the soil that cannot be released to the atmosphere. So that's why that's why we try to run the farm as sort of an ecosystem, as, as a whole system, which is a permaculture approach. And we well, try to I, have perennials as well as garden, you know, annuals. So we try to have a lot of fruit trees. We've got a lot of fruit trees planted. And, and of course, the, the woodlot has, you know, the trees, and those are drawing carbon out of the air. And, and we're 
we're trying to basically lower our carbon footprint by having vegetation everywhere. And and then we also have pastures that are good for animals. So we can have cows, we have ca- cattle and sheep that eat grass, which we as humans cannot eat grass, but we can eat the animals that eat grass. <laughs> and we've milked dairy goats on and off. We've made cheese. We milked a dairy cow for about nine months. And about every third year we raised several hogs, which are great for eating garbage and things that we can't eat out of the garden. And that that way it's kind of a, an ecosystem that we, we can conserve and build soil, recycle waste, and leave the land better than we got it. Well, I am a very new student of permaculture. I by no means am an expert. But I, I did study online with uh, the Regenerative Leadership Institute. They have an online permaculture certificate that you can earn and I made it maybe halfway through that so far. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, just, that's, that's it's getting more popular. Me. It really, a lot yeah. of these home gardeners are adopting some of these methods and focusing on food plants instead of or- ornamentals. Right. Or they're yeah. focusing mm-hmm. on native plants, which can produce the caterpillars and the, and the insects that native birds like. So mm-hmm. that's another piece of the puzzle is trying to eliminate all of the invasive, exotic, non-native plants from our from our landscape so that we can have the native birds and songbirds especially that have been taking a hit in recent years. Right, right. Well, and the other aspect that I learned about permaculture is it doesn't just stand for agriculture. It stands for culture, you know, with humans as well. And uh, the group that you joined, I think you were one of my first founding members to join the Co-Thrive community. I say that it's an online intentional community built, you know, on permaculture principles as I know them. And what I'm thinking of in this case is, of course, not agriculture, but, you know, social principles. So some of the same ways that you're looking at your land and trying to make it the best for, you know, humans and wildlife, I was looking at what my business had become and, you know, just trying to figure out how can I make this better? How can I do something for members that extends beyond what I'm able to do as a one-on-one, you know, coach, because that just gets expensive, you know, per each small business. Uh, I have a lot of non-traditional marketers in the group. We've got, you know, farmers and chefs and authors and people that you don't think of as necessarily marketers, but for people that do need to, you know, build their online presence. And, you know, so I think having people in the group that are, conversant and even, you know, expert in your case about permaculture methods really helps to build a stronger community because you you can advise and influence um, the way that the community is shaped. Um, so well, anyway, didn't need to go off about part, that. Yeah, that's part of our mission here is building community. We don't want to just be putting a hoe in people's hand and saying hoe for three hours and then go home. We want mm-hmm. people to meet each other talk about how they can go back and have gardens in town. A lot of our visitors live in town. They don't have a large area, but they do have some, a lot of people do have some yard space and how they can start to grow a little bit of the food that they need. And then also in growing the food, as uh, several other efforts in town uh, have have found that when you get people together to grow food, you, you... People get to know each other, they start talking to one another, 
and they start figuring out, okay, what else do we need besides food? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's why I, lo- I love the co-thrive model because people can get together online in our region specifically even and know other people that are trying to form connections for social justice and food security and different you know, environmental protection and whatever else, whatever other good goals that they're trying to meet and they can meet together and know about each other on CoThrive. So mm-hmm. I really like mm-hmm. that model. And the other yeah. thing I like about CoThrive is that the the uh, cost is very affordable. The farm business is basically a nonprofit. I mean, at the scale that we're at, I mean, we provide all the food for our family and about 10 others um, and we've got 20 acres in production. So that's relatively a very small operation and that doesn't make make a lot of profit there's not a lot left over for marketing and things like that so co-thrive is a really good vehicle for getting the word out about what we're doing at a reasonable cost right and one of you know one of the permaculture principles i know there're different you know different wording depending on the expert you talk to but one of them is to foster health and self-reliance so one of my goals for the community is instead of turning to me as the expert who builds your website, is to give you the tools to build your own website because you had That's hired right. a couple different experts prior to your latest website. <laughs> and if yeah. you don't know how it was built or, you know, you just it, it's like a black box basically. You don't know how to access it. You were able to build your own website, and I was so proud of you for that. Well, that that's right, that you... and, and it's something that CoThrive, uh, you in addition to the other members that attend the weekly sessions, are advising. We're advising each other on how best to portray our particular operations, and and like I said, even though we do grow food and we do sell some and we have the visitors, it's it's a very low budget uh, operation. So it it's great to have the expertise that CoThrive provides. Mm-hmm. And since we mentioned your website, let's just tell people how they can find you all. I will type in uh, notes for the, the show notes, but uh, Charlotte's website is prairiewindsnaturefarm.com. <coughs> Excuse me. You can also find her on Facebook under that same name. And you can get to Facebook right through her website. So do you want to say anything about building the website, what that felt like for you? Well, I'm not a techie person at all, and so every step of the way I have to have encouragement and sort of hand-holding with trying to put things together. But but once guided toward a basic outline, then I was able to learn the software pretty easily and, and get my own content on there on my own. And then whenever I run into a glitch, I simply log back into office hours and and get over the glitch and, and usually it's something small and then I can take off again. So it really enables and empowers me to work on my own marketing platform, the website, and then connect the website to other marketing things like Facebook, which I had already been able to use. Facebook is pretty easy for just about anybody and it's easy to lean on Facebook as your only marketing, but you got to understand that, that that content is really not even owned by you anymore. Once you put it on Facebook, it's owned by Facebook, <laughs> for mm-hmm. better or worse. Mm-hmm. 
whereas your website is really your content. And so everything needs to drive back to the website, and that's what, what uh, mm-hmm. mysocialmedia.com, that's the, the focus of of what the marketing attempts are, is to drive everything back to your website so that right. in, you can In a way, I almost see it as building your own soil, and I don't know if that's too far of a stretch for a metaphor, but, you know, I see the... <laughs> Facebook is almost being like the community garden plot, which is great, you know, but you have that for a season. You have it for a while. You don't know what the rules are. You don't own it. But if you're, you know, building your own soil on the turf that you own, which is, you know, your website or blog, I use those two pretty interchangeably, that's really investing in you and your brand. And you, you do own that content. You do own the eyeballs that come there. You don't have to pay extra for it. <clears throat> you know, so I, I, like I think that, that you've done a great job. Yeah, I I really love agricultural metaphors, so that's, I think, why I really enjoy having people like you in the group particularly. It's just, you know, very easy to to discuss things in terms of these systems with the model in mind that we can already understand. And I just want to say a, a few things that I'm noticing on your site right now. I think you've done a beautiful job, but you've got a, a CSA going, and uh, I know you've got limited shares, and you might even be sold out for the season, but that's a neat a neat feature. Can you just say a little bit about your CSA program? Sure. We we actually have one or two openings still left for the season, and uh, it, CSA stands for Community Supported Agriculture, and it's a subscription model where the members get garden produce on a weekly basis for about 18 weeks, and about 10 families participate. We employ a part-time gardener. She takes care of the CSA and derives the income from the sale of the vegetables. And then, of course, the kids that are visiting then get to get out and help and have the garden experience from the CSA being on site. And so that's a real win-win. The vegetables are really healthy because we're trying to, like I said, build our soil and have good nutrition in our soil, which translates to the plants and the vegetables. And we also have a, a, a big focus on the kids and that you know, goes to all aspects. They they participate in, in raising livestock, they collect eggs from the chickens, they clean the chicken coop, they put fresh hay in the nest boxes, they've even helped butcher poultry. We mm-hmm. don't butcher the larger animals on site, but the kids help raise and care for them and help me load them to transport. And then we also sell those, especially lamb. That's our, our biggest uh, meat product. And we have eggs. The kids help me fix the fences, shovel the barn, mulch, plant, weed, and harvest the garden, plant the fruit trees, cut the firewood, move cows along grazing strips. I mean, they, they really get, get involved in all aspects of it. And mm-hmm. the garden, of course, is one of the most time-consuming, and the kids really like to get in there and help pick the vegetables. And we we wash the vegetables and get them all ready for the customers. And a lot of times the customers will come and pick them up at the farm, or we have this year arranged with Purple Porch Co-op to deliver the baskets of produce to their weekly farmer's market on Wednesday night. So, so that's been a good good outlet there and when people pick up their produce they can also look around and see what else that they would would like to get maybe they didn't get a certain vegetable in their basket from us that week well they can look around to some of the other farmers and and purchase there so it it 
it really kind of feeds into the community as far as mm-hmm. helping to grow our our regional and local farm market. Well, again, I'm just going to draw a few parallels because I'm I'm just excited once more about the the metaphor. You know, you're attracting kids and interns as well to come to your farm and learn about farming, whether or not it's just to connect to the land, learn about, you know, their connection to nature, just get outside, or maybe you're growing a future farmer. We don't we don't know yet. That's right. I feel like I am attracting people who need to learn skills for their own business, but another objective that I have with the Co-Thrive community is to attract people that are either unemployed or underemployed perhaps, um, maybe a recent retiree, maybe somebody with a disability, maybe you know someone who just is between jobs, um, trying to get their own thing going. I want them to be able to come and learn, um, you know, how to, you know, market themselves effectively online by practicing on other accounts, practicing in the community, which I kind of see as my farm, you know, so we can continually make the CoThrive site better, the community better, or, you know, helping out by giving feedback like you had said. You know, when you were building your website, we had some people in the in the meeting, I believe, that were the equivalent of interns. You know, I don't I don't want to say they're kids. We don't necessarily have kids. But the value that they bring by just, you know, lending their insights and their feedback, uh, everybody has value. And I really love being able to reach out to people from different, you know, backgrounds and bringing them together to build something better than what any of us could have done alone. So many well, hands like the Well, that is a good load. metaphor for co- for Co-Thrive and also for our farm here, we we take people from all different backgrounds. We've recently had some uh, folks showing up from an organization called WOOF, Willing Workers on Organic Farms. And they can be any... We've had a chiropractor. We've had uh, other healthcare workers. We've had people in business. And they come to the farm and they just really benefit from being in community with people who are thinking about you know, the earth and farming and nature. And many of the older folks say that our farm resembles one that they or their parents grew up on. So that's that's been really cool. But the thing I like about the Co-Thrive model is that anybody, like you said, anybody can participate, um, you know, age-wise. It doesn't matter what your skills are. You can always contribute something. Everybody can contribute something. And that's kind of how we operate here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, with with an eye toward, you know, I think developing successors, whether they're farmers or, you know, people who can teach what I teach, that, you know, that's certainly great. To that end, I mean, you have developed alongside uh, a couple other farmers some curriculum for interns that seek to have a farm worker experience or maybe to become a farmer. We're going to include links to those in the show notes, but I wonder if you could just talk about the granting organization that you know that made that grant for you and also just how you decided to fulfill your grant requirements. I thought that was great how you used technology to really get a lot out of uh, what you were given. Yeah, that's right. I worked with Terry Niemeyer of Bertrand Farm in Niles, Michigan, and she and I co-wrote a grant proposal to a USDA program called SARE, Sustainable Agriculture Research and Education. And SARE grants are pretty tricky to get. You have to show a lot of collaboration. You have to show some follow-up on other SARE projects that have been done. Uh, 
and we were able to write a, a grant proposal that would pay interns to work for about two years. And while the interns were working on the farm, they wouldn't just be doing the tasks on the farm, they would be developing a curriculum that could, could be presented online. And this, this curriculum is modular in nature. In other words, it's got about 24 current, current topics that are explored via PowerPoint uh, slideshow that each of the interns was responsible for creating one or more of those. And then Terry and I ourselves also created a few of them. And Kathy helped us develop a vi video about the internship program. And it was in a webinar format. And it pretty much describes what the program does and talks about some of the benefits to the interns. And most of our interns have been young adults, but we have also had some older folks that have come back with little in the terms of technological skills, and I think they benefited from creating these topic modules. And it's kind of open-ended if anyone is interested in creating topics. We have had a few contributions from people not even associated with the farm, and so I think it would be a really nice thing to be on CoThrive in, in terms of having access from other people. And the other idea that I'm working on right now is a menu project of all local foods and how if we combine these fresh ingredients in various ways that most of an entire low-cost diet could be provided by what we grow right here in Michiana. Mm -hmm. And so that, mm -hmm. that could be a co-working type project as well where people contribute recipes. And so I've got a an, in, an intern did uh, a basic project, and that is something I'm going to be putting up on my website, a link to that, so that we could work on that together. Well, and this is this might be a stretch in our final minutes that we have, but years ago, gosh, it's probably been 20 years ago now, I bought a book called Your Money or Your Life, and off the top of my head I don't recall the author's but they challenged the reader to look at how much money do you really need to make if you are doing work that you love, if you don't have to you know, buy certain clothes or drive a fancy car or spend money on processed foods. You know, if you simplify your life, you learn some self-sufficiency, you know, can you then afford to have the business that you, you want to run yourself or to take the job that you just love for the sake of doing it? And so in some ways, I, I feel like that component would be valuable to the CoThrive community as well. If they can learn self-sufficiency to either grow their own food or forage is a new passion of mine. I, I uncovered a chicken of the woods mushroom uh, yesterday when I was out on a hike, and it was probably three pounds of oh you know, my really delicious meat-like you know texture, and I made a, a wonderful risotto with it last night. And I was, you know, as pleased with that as anything I could have purchased, you know, from a store. Um, but anyway, I just feel like if people can learn that component, that could be pretty important to allow them to do the work that they really want to do and, you know, maybe just take a little of the pressure off with how much do you need to earn. Again, maybe well, a little another, bit of a stretch. Yeah, no, that's that. I'm familiar with that book, and there's another one called Radical Homemakers, and that, again, is a book that's making people conscious of what we consume and to try to be a producer of certain things rather than just consumers. And in my case, I'm hoping visitors will be encouraged to grow 
many of their own vegetables if they do have access to land and to cooperate with or invest in local landowners to raise, you know, protein like livestock and other grains that can't be grown in a home garden. So, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping to demonstrate ways that we can meet our needs, in my case with a farm, dietary needs, more locally and in earth-friendly ways. And at well, the same time, teaching children to love and protect nature thats and to have a, develop a heart connection that will then carry forward to their adult lives. You know, that's, that's really the, the goal. Well, Charlotte, I feel like I could talk to you all day, and I definitely feel that you need to come back and we can explore some specific angle <laughs> or specific project. But I want to thank you for joining me today. Uh, if you're well, just it's been my pleasure. In, yeah, if you're just tuning in, you have been listening to the Co-Thrive Community Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Sipple, and my guest today has been Charlotte Wolf. Uh, she is the owner at Prairie Winds Nature Farm in Lakeville, Indiana, and you can find out more about her and her farm at prairiewindsnaturefarm.com. We've been speaking about her farm and also Charlotte's contribution and her involvement with the Co-Thrive community. She was one of our very first founding members, and we're just very pleased to have her and her wisdom uh, amongst us <laughs> in influencing the way the community is shaped. So once again, Charlotte, thank you, and I hope you'll join Charlotte and me at CoThrive Community. You can find us online at CoThrive.org. That's C-O-T-H-R-I-V-E.org. Thanks, Thanks so much. Thanks for having me.